This is episode 125 on the Herpreneur Show. Today we kick off brand new season four with branding expert Mary Henderson. We're back, season four. I cannot wait to play with you ladies. Let's do this. First cab out of the rank, we have Mary Henderson. Uh, First cab out of the rank. Now that is an old school saying, isn't it? Of course it is because we have Uber now. (laughs) But, you know, cabs are a rare breed and I tell you what, Mary Henderson is a rare breed and we are kicking off season four with her. Why? If you find that you have been in business for a while, ladies, and you know that you need to rebrand, revamp, just get out there and relaunch, this is going to be perfect for you. Also, if you are in the startup phase and you are trying to package yourself, this is going to blow your mind as well. A little bit more about Mary in a moment. I just want to acknowledge that the show is back season four. We've gone back to the old schedule, which was releasing every fortnight. That allows me time to continually build and scale the business. When we changed to once a week to twice a week, my gosh, I tell you what, things were building up left, right and center. And It should be fun, this, because it's free education for you ladies. It allows me to connect with incredible business women and be able to get that message out to you. And for me, it should be fun, right? Business should be fun. So it was fun when it was fortnightly, and that's why we've gone back. Make sure that you subscribe to whatever you listen to. If it's Stitcher, if it's Apple Podcasts, we're on all different types of things. But make sure, one, you share the show and be able to subscribe so you know when that releases every Wednesday fortnight. So let's get to exactly why you're here. What you want is to help you grow. And first, incredible woman to help you do that is Mary Henderson. Mary is internationally recognized as a personal branding specialist, helping you really find your pocket in how to brand yourself, your message into marketplace. You'll hear halfway through the interview, I actually say to Mary, I think I broke every rule in your book. (laughs) So let's see if you have two. Mary is a technology whiz. She has built an incredible seven-figure business before this one, and she has quite a hilarious story that she shares at the start in what created that transformation to be able to now be internationally recognized and the go-to woman for personal branding. Enjoy today's interview. Let me welcome you to Mary Henderson. Ladies, my goodness, I have a superstar for you today. I stalked her out on LinkedIn. Well, my team actually found her and I reached out and I thought, how the heck have I not seen you or heard from you? She's a global superstar in helping change people's businesses, working with seven to eight figure businesses, uh, helping you learn how to rebrand and also monetize your business online. We're going to bring it across from online business. It's all business anyway. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the show, Mary Henderson. It's so great to have you here. Thanks, Annette. I'm excited too. Like I can already see where this is going. So let's go. <laughs> let's make <laughs> it happen. Fun. Yep. Mary, you are a woman of many skills when it comes to business from 
building a incredible tech business was it years ago yeah wrapping it up after a moment yeah. and then totally changing direction completely can we go way back to what happened what was the penny that dropped for you to go you know what i've can build a great business i'm doing an incredible job but I need to change direction. Can you take us all the way back there? Oh, my God, absolutely. You know, that pivotal moment is such, I, I will never forget that moment because, you know, and this is this is essentially, you know, what I actually share with everyone that I work with. It's understanding what is my purpose. And that starting point is that you get in your life, I think it happens to everybody, whether you ignore it or you're conscious of it. But I think you wake up one day and you're like, "What? Is, where am I going? What am I doing? Who am I? You know, you ask all those big questions. For me, it happened three hours after I gave birth to my son. And <laughs> can you believe it? And I'm sitting in this hospital bed and I reach out to get my lip balm, you know, because my lips were dry and my business card fell out on my bed, Annette. At that time, I had built a seven-figure per year software company. It was doing really well. I had an infrastructure. I was in Flinders Lane in Melbourne, the arts district, like, you know, I had it all. Um, and three, and I, so that uh, business card fell on the bed and I picked it up. It, imagine picking up this business card and suddenly your whole life flashing in front of you like a movie, a really, really quick movie. And I'm looking at this vision in my mind and wow. I'm looking at this card and I'm like, oh, my God, my whole life has been a series of labels. In fact, this business card is actually defining who I am in the world today. This label is validating my self-worth. A, 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 a title on a card, I just couldn't. Ah. In that moment, I just had that epiphany. I knew in that moment that I would resign from my company. And I'll tell you why, because in that moment, I was absolutely forced without a shadow of a doubt to admit the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And you know what it was? Wow. I was looking for validation from my parents that they would tap me on the shoulder and say, Mary, we are so proud of you, even though you didn't finish your degree. How powerful is that? Wow. So, <laughs> I know. Me too. So I, it was such a defining moment, Annette. And, and, and then as they say, the rest is history. That was the sliding door moment for me, if you will. Wow. So what happened next? You, and, and can I just say, when you talk about childbirth, and I know a lot of the women listening um, have had children, so you're probably going to laugh at this story. <laughs> I want to have a natural birth. We found I was going to have a home birth. I want to just do everything like chemical free, natural, and um, found out that I have this little thing happening with my heart, so I wasn't allowed to do a home birth. Thank goodness for that. And I come into the to the hospital, and I have this sheet that I did the hip the birth, hypnobirth in, <laughs> and I said to her, to the lady, I, I really don't want you to use pain words at all. Don't ask me if I'm in pain. <laughs> I was nice about it. I wasn't a bitch, but I was like, really like had these rules. Please don't ask me for any painkillers. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> 21 hours later, <laughs> I'm like, okay, I definitely want the epidural now. 
She's like, no, Annette, and this woman's like done some serious NLP training or something. Yeah. She was like, Annette, you said, and she wasn't saying like nothing of this was being bitchy at all, like why I said it, yeah. she what my values were. Then she was reiterating. She goes, Annette, you can do this. Like, believe me, how you actually came in. You you didn't, you want to stay chemical free, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I'm like, I really, really would like the epidural now. Anyway, fast forward, got the epidural. They come in, they go, Annette, you're dilated. You're about to have the baby in the next hour. I felt incredible. So I'm lying back on the bed with the legs up because obviously when you have a jury, you can't feel a thing. And I turned to my husband and I said, can you go over to my bag for a second? He goes, yeah. And I said, can you get my little makeup bag? He's like, what? It was the change in how I was. I was ready for a photo finish. So I wasn't grabbing the lip balm after I gave birth. I love it. I was getting the makeup on ready before I had birth because I knew afterwards I would want a photo and I felt incredible. I love it. I love it. That's fabulous. Awesome. So you have this baby, you've had this epiphany, you suddenly have now the filters are off and you can just see what you need to do. What happened next? What was the decision? What was going, what happened the next step moving forward? So I go home from the hospital and then about 10 days later, two weeks later, I have a meeting with my accountant and, and it was so weird. Like we're sitting in this boardroom, there's about six or seven of us and I walk in and he's like, oh, Mary, you've had an amazing year. Let's talk about the next 12 months, like, you know, our strategies, blah, blah, blah. And I'm looking around at everyone and I'm, it was like I was out of my body. It's the only way I can describe it. And I just looked at my accountant right in the eye and I said, I'm actually resigning from my own company. And he's just looked, he laughed and he looked at me and he goes, you're just hormonal, don't worry. And I said, no, 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 I'm actually not. I'm actually serious. I'm resigning from my own company. I do not want to be doing this anymore. This is not why God put me on this earth. There's no way I'm doing this anymore. I don't want to serve those people. I don't want to be doing this, you know, and I just need to go and I need to find myself. And everyone was looking at me going, is she like, has she lost the plot? And he said, well, what are we supposed to do with your business? Like, you know, it's not like it's turning over $2. Like you've got a whole infrastructure. I said, I don't really care. I just don't care. So I said, you figure out what I need to do because that's what I'm paying you for and you come back and you give me the plan. Anyway, to cut a long story short, I ended up merging my business with another business and come January of 2012, I took a 12-month sabbatical, Annette. And what I did, this is so pivotal, I remember walking to my Mac and Googling how do I change my life. Literally, they were the words that I Googled, how do I change my life. And it was actually quite profound. It wasn't even that. It was actually much deeper than that. I made a conscious decision that I would give up everything that was non-serving, everything that was playing a false narrative, that a false illusion that I was living and breathing. I wanted to give that up, which meant credit cards, friends, social circles, um, uh, memberships to this, that, and the other. Everything was gone. So I... I just wanted to go naked. I wanted to completely go naked and um, and get myself a mentor out of the self-help, um, you know, industry and get myself a hardcore mentor. So I got myself a professor in philosophy from Oxford University who mentored wow. me for 12 months and that was the 
that that changed the whole trajectory of my life. I would never think to have gone that way <laughs> to get to somebody. What, how did, what made you go, okay, I'm going to get a philosopher in line? Like what made you even go that direction? I've always been that sort of a person. You know, I'm very much into philosophy and, you know, I've always been a very deep, deep, deep thinker. Like, you know, I've never been one of those kids that were into Barbies and, you know, cartoons and things like that. I was always the the one that questioned anything. I was the one that, you know, would, you know, feel energies and, you know, things like that all my life. So I knew... That's what I wanted. You know, I didn't want a self-help book, The Power yeah. of Now and, you know, how yeah. to, seven steps to. Yeah. I wasn't interested in that. Mm. I really wanted to understand genuinely who am I? Like what am I actually doing here? What, what, how do I, what is purpose? Like what does it actually mean from a philosophical standpoint? Give me something. So my mentor was a... Um, so he was a professor in philosophy, but also an expert in all religion science. So, you know, specifically in the Kabbalistic type of, you know, philosophies, but he was very well renowned in his philosophy around um, understanding who you are as an individual from the standpoint of actually un- understanding or reverse engineering more, reverse engineering the meaning of love like where where does it derive and how does it impact our life and what does it actually mean Uh, I won't get into that but essentially what happened through that whole process is that the, the exercises that I was given to do on a daily basis it was like Think of, you know, the onion. It really was unpeeling the onion layers to get mm. to the core or as close as I could to the core because I don't think you ever get to the core. I think it's a, it's, a, it's a working progress. But what happened, Annette, through that process is that um, one of the exercises he made me do was to actually write about in first person the first 21 years of your life. Just, just write. Um, don't stop and think. You're actually just writing and you're writing from a soul standpoint, from your soul. Allow your soul to just express what it can remember. Don't put any logic into it. So I didn't. And But that ex- that exercise was so important to me because I did it for the first 30 years of my life. And, of course, coming from a tech background, of course I had to get the data and put it on an Excel spreadsheet, you know, because I could see patterns and I was like, oh, my wow. God. This was where the defining moment came for me, which has led to what I do today. You know, what I realised, Annette, and this is where I believe purpose lives, where I could see patterns of Mary being ecstatic and happy, Mm -hmm. there were certain things playing out in my life at that point. When Mary was at her lowest point, there were certain things playing out in my life. In other words, when Mary was not in her natural state of being Mm -hmm. and not expressing her natural gifts, talents, ability, gifts. uh, So vibe in this. This is just incredible. You know what I'm saying? When, when you're, when I'm not expressing that, I'm, I got goosebumps too. Just just saying this. I'm not happy. I'm not me. I'm some fake person that everybody else wants me to be. Yeah. Now, one step further, when I was able to gather that information, that data, that feedback loop, what mm-hmm. I realised was a few very important things, Annette. I could see the things that I could do with ease and grace and when I actually defined what they were able to solve, 
I was able to create an entire vocation around the loves of my life. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so much just to to touch on from there. Um, It is so true. Even just with you saying when you weren't being able to be merry and express who you were for whatever situation, I notice my weight, my physical weight always goes up Mm -hmm. whenever I'm in that situation and one of the greatest expressions for myself and for happiness and probably the highest vibration of happiness that I can get to without anyone or any substance of wine or food is dancing. Yeah. It, it just so every day and I've had when I moved to Perth I got a back injury and that just weight just came straight on uh, 15 kilos of it. So now I am <laughs> starting to drop it. Wow. So to not be able to dance and exercise, and I've been an exercise fanatic from a very young age, from choice, not from being pushed to do it, and to have that stripped away, it was like part of my identity was just And when you said, like, they're the moments in life when everything starts to shut down, and I can imagine there's women listening where there could be things going on for them right now in their business because of COVID, lockdowns, having children at home or whatever it is that could be right now stopping them from expressing their best version of themselves. And then that then ripples into the business and, you know, wherever that vibration is going to go, it will affect everywhere. So what was it then that you had laid out in front of you to go, wow, is, is was it this is my next business is that where it went or I knew immediately a couple of things the first thing is that I could see that I had currency in my internal inventory that was the first thing so I had all this accumulated knowledge wisdom and skill set thousands of hours in it like all of us but we don't see that as currency mm. we just see it like oh but ev- but everyone can do that Actually, Annette, they can't do that. I Here I am thinking my first experience with personal branding actually happened in year 2000 in my corporate job in the tech world. It was such a defining moment of my career that I actually took that experience and then applied it into my next corporate role where I was VP of sales, managing like all of Asia Pacific sales and um, and turned my salespeople into brands, not job titles. I just thought that's what everybody did. But when I actually unpacked what was inside of me, I thought, but I actually have a system of how I do that. It's not just saying, oh, everyone can be a brand. It's how do you commercialise those people to actually get the financial outcome based on their genius zone, right? I knew how to do that. I knew how to do that because my 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 background in the corporate world equaled very high success, very high success rate in my in sales. So I knew how to do that, tick in the right direction. Then, of course, I had a, a software business for seven years. And in that business, I had a, um, a cognitive scientist who was very much around reverse engineering 
how the user wanted to experience web-based software. So we built membership systems for the academic sector only, universities predominantly. So now imagine seven years of understanding how to design frameworks exclusively to match how the user wants to experience it so that they're getting an ecstatic experience, right? And then the third part, of course, is my sales background. Now, that's a lot of knowledge and wisdom right there. When I was able to pull that together, I could see that there was a huge gap in the industry, specifically Mm. with people who were, you know, there's a whole digital guru mentality that, you know, you just go and find the niche and then you build a business around that hungry niche. And I'm thinking, that's dumb. Like, why would somebody do that? Wouldn't you actually look at your knowledge, wisdom and skills, pack that and then go and take that to the audience that actually need that solution solved? Common sense to me. I'm a common sense sort of a person. So then I thought, okay, I've got all this inventory, which is amazing, but I can't just build a course because I don't want to build a a consumption of knowledge. I know that that doesn't work because I've spent seven years serving the academic sector and I know that that doesn't work. So I needed to understand how to build an outcome-driven solution. So when people work with me, they pay premium price, but there's an outcome. It's tangible. It's not just, oh, read this, watch this and hope for the best. No, 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 no. That's not enough for me. I want results. I'm a results-driven person. I have to see the results. So When I was able to look at that, then I took three years, Annette, to design a framework. So I built a system. It's not a course. It's a system Mm -hmm. that starts people on the personal branding uh, process. We've built an entire SaaS platform just for that part of the process. So Mm -hmm. I've brought technology into my system in a massive way. I'm not letting that go. You can take the girl out of technology. You can't take the tech out of the girl, right? Just not possible. (laughs) So that's that's a part of the process. And then the systemization is really understanding, well, how do you design a, an amazing system around your genius zone? So it's not like everybody else's, that you can actually show people an outcome-driven solution where they're prepared to pay a premium price. Mm. And then we look at all of the digitization of all of the assets to ensure that whatever you do provides an ecstatic brand experience and finally a layered lead generation strategy to make sure that you're generating leads. So when and all of that's frameworked in a system, that took me three years, not three textbooks, not three webinars, not three, you know, it was a serious commitment to be able to get me to where I was. So it wasn't until 2015 that I actually launched my coaching business. Wow. What was it like for you to go through startup again? Yeah, that was a different, that was a, that's an awesome question. I learned something very important in, from my first startup to this one. And I want to share this with everyone. The one thing that I didn't do in my first startup is I didn't have a tribe that I could belong to, people that I could reach out to, people that I could lean on, people that I could just have a cry with, because entrepreneurship is not easy. It's that period. You know, I'm still going from 2005 till today, I'm still at it. So the first thing I wanted to establish was an actual tribe that was very important to me. You know, finding people, not necessarily like me, but people that were three, four, five, ten steps ahead of me. Mm -hmm. Even if I, even paying for those type of coaches and mentors 
was was great for me because it meant that I belonged to something and they could actually expand their circle for me as well. So that was a very important thing for me in the first in the first phase. Mm-hmm. But the second thing is, Annette, um, I very quickly figured out that there's a lot of scarcity out there when people paint a picture of starting a, a business, you know, and a lot of the scarcity is around not about um, you know, hurry up and get in while it's what you know while it's hot. But it's more around if you don't do it like this, then you're going to fail. Or mm. you know, um, here's ten steps that will guarantee you yeah. six figures or a million dollars. Now, we're smart women, right? We know that it takes a long time to build a business. You can say whichever, yeah, yeah. whatever you like, whichever. I just don't buy into quick, get rich quick. Yeah, success. that's right. The, the overnight success is, uh, takes about <laughs> 10 years, 14 years, depends. <laughs> yeah, and, and a lot of them were selling this idea that, you know, you can build a seven-figure per month business like I yeah. did, you yeah. know, and it was this emotion and I'm like going, oh, my God, I must be doing something wrong. But then I quickly figured out, oh, hang on, they forget to tell everybody that they're spending 20, 30, 50, hundred thousand dollars a month on Facebook ads to buy leads you know mm. they, they forget to just throw that little bit in you know yeah. and then you get on the webinar and they sell you this ten thousand dollar program and then when you get into the ten thousand dollar program they're like yes well you need five ten thousand dollars for your Facebook ads hang on a minute you didn't tell me that yeah. so I think a lot of people buy into I wouldn't say desperation it's like it's the vision of success and mm-hmm. and here's the thing I learned very quickly and and I still stand by this today I'm not driven if you look at a race there's a tortoise and a hare mm-hmm. I'm the tortoise because I have a lot of patience I've learned how to be very very patient because what I learned is the journey is the most important part of entrepreneurship because I'm interested in gathering uh uh, data feedback when I've got feedback I can do something with that right I yeah. can I can make changes I can shift really quickly I can do something with that and that's been my whole philosophy my entire time and mm-hmm. of course investing in the right people to get me one step further one step closer to to that to that vision mm-hmm. I knew how to build six, seven-figure businesses, eight-figure businesses. That wasn't a problem. That's yeah. not my problem. What my problem was was, oh, is coaching like different to building a normal business? Like maybe I've got this all wrong. And then as soon as I uh, challenged the status quo, that's when everything just changed. Yeah. I, I, the reason why I asked is I've gone through startup previously. That was with I did Herpreneur events. I had a huge mastermind of doing air babes. So to then do startup again with my husband, we got to seven figures in a year and a half. That's amazing. And we, and I don't say this, guys, to show off, is to say that once you've built something once yep. and you learn from your mistakes, or they're not mistakes if you're learning. That's right. And then you're not scared to invest in yourself that you know what gives you growth. So if my husband and I, we knew exactly what we needed to do to get out fast. And it wasn't fast as in where Mary's saying she has all the data. We had all the data. We know sales training inside and out. We we knew businesses inside out. We've done it for years. Though it was getting out fast with getting our business out there into the marketplace and not being scared. Because I feel like the difference of doing startup twice is there's more courage the second time. You're not scared of if something fails or something doesn't work. 
It's the courage to move through it and the courage to invest in yourself or invest in your business to get the result. Absolutely. That's why you were saying train yourself with the tribe. Surround yourself with, uh, you know, invest in the coach. And that's probably one of the biggest mistakes I feel um, from a coaching perspective is women normally invest themselves quite late, or not even just women, people in the startup, now normally invest themselves late because they think they can't afford to. Yeah, but that's when they can't afford, but they 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 should do it because they they will move them to their goal faster. Yeah, that's why I really want to ask that question just to see that thought process around that for you. Absolutely, and the thing is that just on that note, you know, it's if you invest too late, it's just such that the the loss of revenue is the scariest part and you know you know you're in sales Annette you know that numbers don't lie you know so if you're not getting your numbers something's wrong with your system go and get help I can't stress that enough I see people I speak to people all the time well you know you're making ten thousand dollars you want to get to half a million dollars in 12 months how are you going to do that like just 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 asking a friend how are you going to do that You know, and I think that we've got to stop being, you know, having this, you know, mumsy, and I don't mean that in a derogatory way because I'm a mum, but you know what I mean, that kind of, you know, oh, you know, get out of hobby mode and get into real business mode. They're two different things. And and I think the biggest compliment that anyone makes is when they get into business for themselves because they're they're unconsciously giving themselves a compliment, saying, I can do it, I'm worth it. So then it's about really taking those steps forward. Um, Yeah, I, I, I just... Love your whole vibe, Mary. I know nothing about branding. Well, I think I know nothing about branding. I'm I'm great with the conversions and the communication. Learning how to communicate a brand, it's something I've always struggled with. It's something that I definitely feel that my husband and I need to invest in now with where our business is at because we sort of, that part we did just sort of throw together because we did want to get out in the marketplace. We knew everything that we were doing, but brand names, everything, it was that was quite quick. What are some of the biggest mistakes that you see that people do when it comes to personal branding? Well, the first thing is that most people are chasing leads and sales. That's the first thing that they do. Again, the digital gurus have done a great job telling you, you don't need a website, you don't need this, you just need a sales page and off you go, or, you know, an opt-in page or, you know, an online schedule and that's all you need. Now, Sure, that's awesome if you want a quick fix. If you're building a long-term scalable business, Mm -hmm. let me just ask this question. Do you actually think that Apple as a brand would actually just focus on the sale without looking at the packaging of the Apple phone and the way that people dress in the store and the, the, the whole philosophy around Apple starts with the brand? It doesn't start with a sale. The sale's the effect of the cause. So let's break this down. Branding is the cause. Sales is the effect of that. Mm. Branding is the first piece of the puzzle because it sets the foundation of the business. Think of it like building a house. If you don't have a foundation, how are you going to actually build a structure? You can't, which is why most people can't get the sale because they don't have a foundation. Now, what is that foundation from a branding standpoint made up of? So a corporate brand and a personal brand are exactly have exactly the same attributes, just in different order of importance. A personal brand is driven by mission and legacy. A corporate brand is driven by their story, okay? Nothing happens with Apple if there was no story. Yeah. But with a personal brand, you, Annette, 
are the business. Mm-hmm. You're the person that people will think of when they think of sales or, mm-hmm. you know, so speaking on stage. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, you just got to go to Annette. She's the only one that, that knows how to do that. So, so we become the go-to brand as our name, our name, Mary Henderson, not yeah. my, not my program, not, not my company name. It's Mary Henderson. That's what I'm building. I'm the business. Mm-hmm. So if that's the case, so I need to build a foundation on how I want Mary Henderson to be perceived in the out from the outside in. So yeah. what does my persona look like? What is my tone and voice? Uh, what are my values? Uh, what is my story? And what is and out of all of that, then you have to start figuring out what does the messaging actually look like? You see, mm-hmm. I could never create a content strategy for a client if I haven't actually dialed that in. It's just impossible mm-hmm. um, because it's not about just creating a logo and a color, a color palette. That's again the effect of the cause. That's a given. That's just one hundred and one branding, right? It's it's more about understanding you as a brand, as a business. How do you want to be perceived? What does that consistency and congruency look like? Are you believable and are you trustable based on all of those attributes? Is your brand 100% congruent with your solution? What about the content that you share on social media or the keynote that you're doing? Is Are all of those moving parts congruent and consistent? So, my brand is fundamental and critical to my success. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I can tell you right now because people, I've already conditioned my audience to understand what my brand stands for. You know, you have a look at my content, even us having this interview, my core, core value is truth. So everything mm-hmm. I'm going to say is going to come back to that. There's no 50 shades of gray with me. It's black or it's white. That's it. You know, and that's how I want people to feel me as well. It's like, oh, this person yeah. is just not full of BS. It is what it is. She calls yeah. a spade a spade. Yeah. So so branding plays a big role in all of the effects, your sales, your lead generation strategy, mm-hmm. your lead magnet, the sales funnel, the content strategy, the social media strategy. Yeah. Even how you conduct yourself on a podcast is very important. But mm-hmm. but you you experienced my brand. You went to my website. You went to LinkedIn, maybe Facebook. Everything's mm-hmm. the same. There's no disconnect. It's not like you yeah, went yeah. to Facebook and I was talking about health and fitness and weight loss. I don't do that. You know, mm-hmm. you didn't go to LinkedIn and I was talking about, you know, what is something else. And then you go to my website. It's like, what does this person actually do? So yeah. that, it has to be two key words, consistent and congruent. Mm. I would say that I've probably broken every rule in the book, what you've just said. <laughs> the, one thing is, the one thing is, and I'm totally transparent with you ladies listening because this is how we learn. I never pretend that I'm perfect at everything. This is why we get experts on like Mary. The one thing is that my husband and I, we knew how to sell. We knew our message in a way that we talk about a reverse sale. We don't believe yeah. in push sales. We don't believe in heavy scripts, but we believe in helping yeah. people power to find their words through our methods and now we're like okay great this is this is working but how do we get just a congruency in the message yeah and that's the thing um Annette that's a very important part because what a lot of people don't a lot of people think it's really easy to just you know just put a brand together and let's go to market but it's a little bit more scientific than that because you know so if I'm looking at a client 
I have to link everything together. You know, I need to understand the story. I need to look at the solution. Does that all fit in? Um, Sure, the colours and all that. But then I need to make sure that what they're promising is absolutely accurate. Like they can actually promise what they're saying they can promise. Mm. Because if there's a disconnect, at some point in that process, the business is gone. Because here's the the reason why, Annette, Um, when you build and when you invest in your brand and the messaging and everything is congruent and consistent, you then are giving your prospects and your paid clients an ecstatic Annette brand experience. Now, I actually feel we are doing the reverse. I feel yes. like we're not doing because we deliver life-changing results. We 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 literally say we, we change lives. We don't make sales when we make get clients on board. We yes. change lives. I feel when the marketing is incongruent, it's not really promoting no, how no. incredible you really are. It's doing you a disservice. Yes, yes, you're spot on. You're absolutely right. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing is that when you dial in your branding, what is amazing, when you can give a prospect or a paid client an ecstatic brand experience, even a prospect, think about the power here. Yes. Yeah. They're, and and they're going to leave and tell another five other people that they have the most unbelievable experience from you. Do you know how many people have actually booked a strategy call with me? They've never become my clients, but they've actually posted on LinkedIn the most amazing a strategy call experience they've had with Mary Henderson. I didn't ask them to do that, um, but they've become my brand advocates. That's how I've built my social currency. It's mm-hmm. all about the brand experience. That's my priority in everything that I do. I just love how you say your social currency. <laughs> it's just, I just, <laughs> why is starting a lead generation just with the leads, just going for the leads first, turn into the biggest headache and a dead end? Because there's no system in place, Annette. And this is what I find a lot of people do that they, they quasi build this coaching consulting business but it's sort of a little bit here, a little bit there on a shoestring budget. I understand that. We've all been there, done that. But the thing is that there is a vast difference between a hobby, a hustler, and a business owner. They're three different things, three different mindsets, three different types of investments, three different types of approach, approaches, etc. If we start at lead generation and I don't know what I stand for and I don't know what my solution can promise and I don't know how I can take somebody from start to promise and I don't know what my values are, how the hell am I going to sell my solution with conviction and passion conviction that's what sales is about if I can't speak from here what am I doing yeah yeah absolutely the the word conviction you could actually and this is where it comes into stuff that we we are against which is sales scripts where you know you just get the sales script and you can sell there is a difference in the magic, the way that you communicate when you communicate with conviction. I used to be in the health and fitness industry many, many years ago, and if we ever had a member that lost a lot of weight and then she wanted to work as, you know, as a salesperson and work at the front desk and sell memberships, she would not need any sales training at the start. She could just sell on total conviction because she's gone from here to here. 
But then we'd start to teach her some processes so she knew how to ask questions and great questions and all that. But the conviction um, definitely is one of the most important things for self-confidence and what you exude. Well, the thing is that I think a lot of people get desperate on their sales calls because they need the sale yeah. rather than be serving the person yeah. that you're speaking to, whether they buy or not. Isn't yeah. the goal in sales today anyway is for the prospect to self-realise that they need your yeah. services. Yeah. I shouldn't have to tell them. I'm talking to mature adults. I'm not talking to babies. Yeah. So I want to treat them with respect. Yeah, and, and I think that the consumer these days is a lot more um aware yes um of old school sales tricks 100 um, and, and no one wants that sales pushy sales anyway no. um, it, 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 especially when you're looking at consultative and, and i'm sure a lot of women that listen are coaching and consultants anyway where they do need to connect with the truth with the person has to trust you to be able to be yep. led to, to listen. that's right that's right Mary, before we move on, I would love to know, because some women are probably just chomping at the bit going, <laughs> son of Mary Henderson, uh, you've got a podcast, you've got a magazine. Can you just share a bit about that before we actually move on to some of my final questions? Well, again, we're talking about, about branding, yeah? So that magazine started two years ago as a idea as a post on LinkedIn. You know, I did a front cover and I just thought, oh, I'll just play around with some really cool ideas. You know, the, the week after I did another one, it went, went from two pages to three to five to 10 to 15. I'm like, oh my God, this is just going getting out of hands. And I was doing all the content myself. And then one day I thought, you know what, I can actually turn this into a full-on magazine, get content contributors, interview awesome people, and actually turn this into a bit of a business. You know, so I started doing that and um, it's an it's a full-on publication. It's for free. It's exclusively designed and dedicated to industry experts, business owners, coaches, consultants, so that whole industry. Because I felt that there was so much rubbish and garbage and lies and scarcity, you know, when especially when people are starting their entrepreneurial journey. I wanted to bring a bring a group of content creators together that were genuine authorities in their area of specialization who were willing to write an article once a month because I'm all about empowerment. You know, so if I, if my content's not going to empower you, then I'm just like everybody else. So how does Mary rise above the noise? I create something of massive value. And we talk about branding, Annette, this is really important to understand. In that magazine, there is nothing in that magazine that's about Mary, nothing, zip zero. It's about the person on the front cover. It's about the articles in the book. It's promoting everyone else's podcast, everyone else's book. I do zero promotion in there. I just promote a masterclass at the end of, on the last page, which is yeah. right at the last page, but it's everything about me. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. It's nothing about me, but it's everything about me because I'm the brand behind that brand. So mm -hmm. I'm pushing my, my expertise, if you will, in what I do. I create authorities. That's what I do. So yeah. the magazine, my platform, everything surrounds the same messaging and that nothing is, there's no disconnect in what I do. So that magazine also uh, converts into a podcast because of course I interviewed the person on the front cover mm. and, you know, so I'm repurposing my, my content, but it genuinely is of high caliber content ad free. Mm. 
Yeah, I love it. Who's your typical client? That's an awesome question. You know, again, you know, because of my feedback loop, what I realized many years ago is that I only want to work with people who can actually meet that 10,000 hour rule, meaning that I have a minimum of 10,000 hours dedicated to a specialization. They're the only people I work with. So anyone Ah. that's kind of read three books and they come and tell me that they're a mindfulness coach or a life coach, I can't help you. I'm just not interested. And the reason why I did that is because what I found, and I'm so glad I'm going to say this to your beautiful audience, because I'm, you know, quite active on social media, especially on LinkedIn, what I found is a lot of those self-proclaimed influencers mm-hmm. when strategy calls with me. We're talking about the guys that are getting one, two, three thousand likes, four, five hundred comments, hundreds and thousands of views on their comment. You would yeah. look at that from the outset as a startup and go, I just want to be like that. Yeah. But they were cooking booking strategy calls with me to only for, to, to actually declare, hey, I'm getting all these likes and comments but I'm actually living on the poverty line. I'm not commercialising that at all because they're all in 40, 50 pods. They're all supporting each other. They're all living on the poverty line. And I'm thinking that's not where I want to be. I I can't serve people like that. I can't serve people who are not on a mission to change something in the world. I want to work with those people. Therefore, I shifted my whole philosophy. And if you haven't got a minimum of 10,000 hours dedicated to your specialisation, I can't help you. So my clients are like PhDs, academics, you know, doctors, um, specialists in their corporate, you know, industry, people that are leaving corporate and saying, you know what, Mary, I've been an engineer for 25 years. I can do something with this. I'm like, hell yeah, come over. I can do yeah. you into something. Wow. And this is just a huge learning uh, for you listening today. Ask the question to yourself. Who do you think is the perfect client for you to really attract and you want to help? I I just love this 10,000 hour rule because you want the experts. You want the ones. And and I did say this a few years ago, which is there is so much happening on social media and the coaching industry just totally just got saturated where, you know, you do a course for five weeks and suddenly you're an incredible life coach and maybe some are. Who knows? Though it will, I, I was saying this is all going to come out in the wash. Absolutely. It will all come out in the wash because once the person has a conversation with them, whoever their potential client is, only that person can stand the ground if they've got the education. And I know that I've been caught out before in the past with podcasts we've never released because we used to look at the followers. Yeah. And then that's when I was like, just the followers does not equate if no. you business. It is a complete illusion. Yes. And they're false metrics that you can get caught up in. And for us, it was actually season one. And there was some people that I interviewed and I thought, I, I probably know more about this subject than they do. Yes. But you're right so, in it. That's exactly I right. Love your 10,000 rule. What, what a way to set the bar. Uh, piece of advice for the female entrepreneur, she is in the startup phase. Uh, she is just getting into business. If you could go back to that stage, your very first time being in business, 
What would be the piece of advice that you think, if I was to give that to them, that would be life-changing? First thing immediately is you must find a tribe. I can't stress that enough. And, you know, people like you and I, Annette, we're brilliant at building tribes. You know, that's my passion. You know, so in my coaching business, I've built an amazing tribe for those people who are looking for a tribe. You must find a tribe that you can lean on. I cannot stress that enough because doing it on your own is just too hard. You know, isn't it, it just makes more sense to actually lean on other people, leverage from other people's learnings. That's key here. There's so much breadth and depth. And, you know, in um, quantum physics, there's this word called, a phrase called entanglement hierarchy. And what that essentially means is I did a 12-month quantum medicine course, of course, when I was in that sabbatical phase. And um, it's so awesome because when minds come together and they merge together, you're actually sharing information and intelligence without actually seeing it so I'm downloading what you've got in your mind and vice versa right now right now as we're talking yeah yeah. so imagine being in a tribe of like 10 20 people I mean that's power and that's Mm. what I that's that's my advice immediately yeah and do you know even the tribe that you said once at the start of the interview it doesn't even have to be people in your community. Oh, For me, I look at people that I want to be like in, in life. I dived so much into quantum physics, spirituality, a lot more in personal development but through a different angle. It was just for me just to immerse myself in that every day so when you have lockdowns and mm-hmm. when I start my morning and I go for the walk I'm in that tribe because these are the people that inspire me yes. to be better so it's personally or professionally it's it, it's all interconnected anyway isn't it the law of interconnectivity 100 100 you're absolutely right so that's my advice yeah I love that piece of advice for woman who is into expansion she is ready to go for it she's ready to play a bigger game she knows she's got the goods she's just ready to take it up a notch what would you say to her systemize your entire business I cannot stress that enough when you systemize your business just think of building assets it's the only way I can describe it if you're building assets in all stages of your business your sales system lead generation system your solution your branding your marketing systemize as much as you can to build a predictable business rather than just going ad hoc or reacting we we need to get to proactive not reactive when you have a proactive business, you know that your systems are tried and tested, they're in place, they work, they're predictable, and it takes the pressure off enormously. Mm. You realise how much you need systems when you get a team on board. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, how much you need systems when you want to reduce perhaps the, the hours that you want to work. Yeah. Because I remember hearing, I can't remember who who said it, it's like a famous saying, anything that is repeated in a business should have a, a system created. Absolutely, from. 100%. That yeah. I couldn't agree with that anymore. Yeah. I don't know if I was naturally a systemized person when I was younger, but I did get into management quite early at the age of 21 and I learned systems and processes and then I realised that that actually gave me freedom. <laughs> But it's true. That's exactly the outcome of building systems. Mm. You know, honestly, I just, I I cannot stress that enough. Mm. Mary, you are an incredible woman. 
can't wait to listen to you on your podcast. Just want to listen to you more. What a beautiful voice she's got, ladies. Hey, like she's just got the podcaster voice there. <laughs> uh, how do we find out from you more? We've got some women there going, I really want to start working with her. I want to find out more. Uh, where's the best place to go? And, ladies, we will put the links in. So whatever she actually says here, we're going to have in the show notes. So please feel free to send me an email, mary at maryhendersoncoaching.com, my website, maryhendersoncoaching.com, LinkedIn at Mary uh, Henderson Coaching with a pink circle around my face. Please connect with me on my personal Facebook page, Mary Henderson Coaching, and, of course, Instagram, Mary Henderson Coaching. So I'm everywhere. Well, I don't think we can get that wrong. Yeah. <laughs> See, it's all about brand consistency. Yeah, yeah, that, I love it. Absolutely. She's walking the talk. <laughs> Mary, uh, I believe in health and wellness. Uh, my background, as I mentioned before, is in health and fitness, and as I went into entrepreneurship, there was a time that I went through a massive burnout stage. Um, so now I really want to bring health and fitness in and the importance of what we do to stay happy, the happiest version of ourselves. Yes. I'd love to know what's something that you do on a regular basis that you know if you were to do this physical activity, whatever it might be, it makes you the happiest version of you. What would it be? Annette, I'm so glad you asked me this because the one thing that I do every day and it's changed my life is breathing meditation and I use the HeartMath Institute, um, the coherence um, little gadget that you connect to your ear and it actually measures the coherence between your brain and your heart. Now, one of the reasons I do this is because in business, I truly believe that if you're vibrating at a high frequency, you're going to draw those type of situations, places, and people to you. It's a fact. Energy is for real. And yeah. so I wanted to find, I'm very much into these type of technologies of how to biohack and enhance your mind and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm working with somebody at the moment um, in another uh, in another time and place, and, and and they're doing a whole heap of amazing research in a laboratory, which got me interested in this whole coherence thing. So they suggested that I go and buy this gadget from HeartMath Institute. Oh my god! So it's actually about you know uh, controlled breathing, but what it does, Annette, it is like think of it like a radio station. You know when you're trying to dial in to get a, a, a you know the, the channel, mm-hmm. the heart and the brain is the same. If it's not in coherence, you're constantly static. So you know you feel stuck, fearful, scared or whatever. We're not in coherence at that point. So the reason why I'm high energy like this all the time is because my heart and my brain are connected. They're talking to one another because the brain all, sorry, the heart also has neuron network. So it is intelligent. I speak to my heart. I do really intense into prayer and all that sort of thing. And so I do 30 minutes every day. I can't tell you how much it's changed. Wow. Yeah. It's just a game changer. I can't explain it to you. And the reason why we need to do it, just on a scientific standpoint, from a scientific standpoint, because our environment is saturated with 5G, 4G, internet, electricity, blah, blah, blah. It's always distorting. All the EMFs, yeah. You got it. It's distorting our brain. Our brain's not working at its optimum. So when we actually realign it and we get back into coherence, we are in our natural state of being. 
Yeah. Oh, ladies, this is a woman that I'm going to make my best friend. She's incredible. <laughs> She's so aligned with uh, everything I love. Uh, I, I'm absolutely so happy that you've said yes to come on the show and to share your genius. I just want to get to know you more, Mary. I just think you're just an incredible you, woman. Annette. Just thank you for changing the world out there and keep doing what you're doing. Thank you, Annette. You're amazing too, may I just add. You are gorgeous and beautiful and also changing the world. It was very easy for me to say hell yeah to this interview. <laughs> Ladies, there might be a part two, just quite. Hopefully. <laughs> Thank you, Mary. Thank you. It's been awesome. You're listening to The Herpreneur Show. I hope you received the inspirational idea, thought or message that you're meant to hear today. If you love the show, it means a bunch to me sending me a message on Facebook or on iTunes to rate and review the show and subscribe so you're the first to know when the next show's released. Until then, make sure you do something that fills up your level of happiness, something that lifts your vibration so high that you're the happiest person that you know. I'm out.